Hey, we are continuing the series we started last week, and the title of our series is The Core. The Core is about who we are as a church. It's about kind of what drives us. What's our focus? What's our passion? What's our heartbeat? What drives our calendar? What drives our finances and our budget? You're going to find out in this series because our four core values here at Faith Church, reach, connect, grow, and serve. Like that's what we're about here at Faith Church. We're about reaching people who are far from God. Do you know the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish? So that means we want everybody saved. We want your nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles, your crazy uncle, we want him to come. Your neighbors that you don't get along with, God wants them to come. God wants every single person into a relationship with him. So as a church, we're focused on reaching people who are far from God. We believe not only is it important for people to be reached, we believe it's important for people to be connected which means once you start your spiritual journey, it's really hard and God never intended for you to do it alone. So we have what's called connect groups here. Pastor Adam just spoke about them where you can find a group of people to do life with. Also, we're about people growing that once you come into a relationship with God, that you continue to grow in that relationship. And ultimately, and this is where we were last week. Our last core value is serve. That we believe that God's given every single person gifts and talents and that as you use what God's given you. Now, I, I know you're busy. I know the most precious commodity many of you have, whether you're a student or you have a family, it doesn't matter, we're all busy. But as you take a part of your most precious commodity and you take the talent that God's given you and you use it for his kingdom, I'm telling you, man, there is nothing like it. And as a church, we want to help that and facilitate that and get behind it. And here's why, and here's what we said last week, that when you serve, that when you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself, that it's all about bringing God glory. Like when you serve, you're pointing to him. You're pointing to who he is. You're saying, God, it's not about my life, it's about you. So when you serve, you're like, you're pointing to Jesus. And not only is it about God's glory, it's about people's eternity. And I said this last week, I'm going to say it again, that each and every one of us, when you show up here, if you're out in our parking lot waving at people, helping people find a spot, or you're a greeter, like it's important you show up on time. It's important that you have like joy because here's why. You ought to serve as if someone's eternity matters on it because it does. And so like we serve for people's eternity. We believe that what we're doing is contributing to people coming to Christ. And ultimately, man, the challenge last week was to serve for your reward. That one day you're going to stand before God and I'm going to stand before God. And even though Jesus has died for our sin, we're not going to give an account for our sin. Jesus forgave all of our sin on the cross of Calvary. We're still going to be judged for opportunities that we've taken or we've missed, how we've served God or how we've not as Christ followers. And God's going to honor and reward those who've been faithful. And so last week, ultimately, we said this, that surrendered lives have unlimited potential. Woo! I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, if you'll take what you have, and you may not feel like it's a lot, you may not feel like you know a lot, you may feel like you're not very far along in your spiritual journey, but if you'll take what you have and you give it to God, I'm telling you, God can do unlimited things in your life. And so today, I want to talk about this second core value and here, here's, let me just ask this question. How many people know, now, if, if you're a young parent or you've been a young parent, how many people know here that having a child, having a baby is an incredible amount of work? Help me somebody. Like they're cute from a distance. You're like, oh, we should have a baby until you have one. Then you're like, how do we give it back? Does this thing have a gift receipt? Like how do, because they're so cute and cuddly and you hold them. But when you have one of your own and all of a sudden two o'clock in the morning, you're in a dead sleep and you're, ah, and now you got to get up feeding kids and changing kids, taking kids to doctors and like just providing for them. And I'm telling you, listen, 
babies are like just a hole you can dump all your money in. Diapers and formula, that's it. Listen, you ain't going out to eat no more, that's bye-bye. Diapers and formula. And man, you just pour in and pour in again, changing diapers. There is nothing that will neuter manhood like a dirty baby's diaper. I'm just telling you, listen, you can get in a cage match with somebody. Listen, you can be, you can be a policeman. Be a, listen, no matter how tough you think you are, get a dirty diaper. All of a sudden, you're like, like you just don't even want to be around it, can't touch it, can't bear the smell. But, man, here's why. We do all this work. We love our kids and provide for our kids and change their diapers and get a, we feed them. We do all this stuff. And the reason is we are helping babies mature and grow physically, right? I mean, that's really why we do it. And as we do it, as we provide for them, they physically grow. Now, we all know this, that when you have a young child, especially early on after they're born, you're going to find yourself going back to the doctor quite a bit. And when you go to the doctor, they're going to do a couple things over and over. They're going to weigh that baby. They're going to check the length of that baby. They're going to check the circumference of that baby's head. And here's why. They want to make sure that your baby is growing. Because if your baby isn't growing as you feed it, as you provide for it, everybody knows something's wrong because here's what everybody in this room knows is healthy people grow. That if your baby's healthy, if everything's functioning the way it should, then that baby should be growing. If the baby is not growing physically, something's wrong. Now, here's what I want you to know about that is when you read the New Testament, as you read God's word, you know over and over and over again that it makes comparisons the same way a physical baby matures and gets older that you and I as Christ followers, that we mature spiritually in our journey with Christ. In fact, much of the same language that we use in talking about raising and growing and maturing our physical children is the same language that's used for us. And it starts with being born, right? I mean, the day we got born, like we started a journey to grow mature, it starts the same way for us spiritually. In fact, check out what Jesus said. John chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, watch. Jesus replied, I want everybody here to read this with me. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are, come on, that's like eight people. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is, this is so big, right? So this guy, his name is Nicodemus. He approaches Jesus. He's a, he's a teacher of the law. He thinks he's got a lot of stuff fi- figured out. And he wants to know what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Like, how, how do you do that? Like, how do you take that step? And so Jesus answers the question. He says, hey, you want to have a relationship with God? You want to have a relationship with your creator? He says, I'm telling you, you must be born again. Now, I just want you to know, this isn't just... Jesus's answer for Nicodemus this is his answer for you it doesn't matter if you're Methodist Baptist Episcopalian or Catholic it doesn't matter if this is your first time in church or you've been here a thousand times every single man woman and child if we want a relationship with God you must be born again you have to have a personal salvation experience doesn't matter if your daddy had one doesn't matter if grandma had one you have to be born again And so, now watch this. So Jesus answers this guy's question. And when he tells this guy, you have to be born again, it creates all kind of weird thoughts in his head. In fact, watch watch how he responds. He says, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? Come on, read this. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Like, he gets all this weird imagery in his head. And like, I'm not going to get too weird today, and I'm not going to be too honest today. But everybody in this room probably, have you ever had an experience where you walked in a door when you were a kid on your parents, on your mom, on your dad, and you've seen some stuff that you can't get that image out of your head? Help me. (laughs) Woo, should have knocked. Should have knocked. This guy gets this image in his head. Jesus tells him, hey, you must be born again. 
All of a sudden, he's like, like, how do I... How does an old man get back in his mother's womb? Like, then who cuts the cord? Who wipes the jelly off? Like, how does that happen? And Jesus, watch this. Watch what he says. This is so important. Next verse, verse 6, he says this. Read it with me. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He's saying, hey, when, when, when a man and a woman come together, they create a baby human being, a physical human being. But to have a spiritual human being cannot happen spontaneously, cannot happen on its own. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is just so important because if you're here, again, you're trying to figure out like, like how do I have a relationship with God? How do I take that step? Jesus said you've got to be born again. And how that happens is that when you just say yes, when you say yes to his grace, when you say yes to his forgiveness, in that moment the Holy Spirit saves you and forgives you removes all of your sin and immediately moves you into a new relationship with God. And it's so cool because watch this. So the same way, watch this, the same way when a baby is born physically, they're a fully human being, but they're spiritually immature. When a person is born again, they are fully a child of God. They're just spiritually immature. So I'm just, I just want you to know right up front that everything I'm going to talk about today isn't trying to get you to become a Christian isn't trying to get you to become a child of God. That happens the moment you say yes to Jesus. But, however, the goal is, watch this, the goal is that once you become born again, once you became a, become a spiritual child, the goal is for you and I to start to grow. And if you're not growing, something's wrong because we all know this, again, that healthy people grow. Everybody say that. Healthy people grow. So let me just ask you a question here real quick. Are you growing? In your relationship with God, in your walk, in your spiritual journey, are you growing? Because if it's true, healthy people grow, and, and we, I think we all agree that it is. And again, the Word makes these comparisons between physical children maturing and spiritual children maturing. You and I should be growing. In fact, John, he says this, he kind of lays out this spiritual journey and this maturity and what it looks like, and he uses some words in First John. Watch what he says. I write to you, come on, say it, little children. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, come on, say it, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. So did y'all pick, that, pick up on that? He kind of lists these three classifications, these three categories, these three kind of steps in our spiritual journey. He says, like, you know, right, like some of you are little children and some of you are, are further along in your spiritual journey, and you're young men. And this is not a sexist thing. This is not a male or female thing. This is just the monikers that he uses. So some of you are young children, and some of you are young men, and some of you are fathers. And it's like, he's saying, like, everybody everybody in this room, you, you are somewhere. You're like that newborn baby. You were born again. You're just a child, or you've been saved, and you were growing. And again, let me just say this. How long you've been saved has nothing to do with your maturity. Because you can be in church for 100 years and be immature. But it's that goal of growing. And now watch this here. Let me just maybe help you understand maybe where you're at. Just like a physical child, physical children are helpless. They need people to do stuff for them. They don't have much strength. They don't have, they don't have much knowledge. They don't have, they don't have any wisdom, right? Little kids, they're curious, which is, which is wonderful. Little children, you got to make sure they're safe. But let me just tell you something about little babies. Babies are incredibly selfish. Come on. It's all about a baby. It doesn't matter if you're sleeping. When that baby wants to eat, eh, 
Time to eat. Doesn't matter if you're out to dinner on a date. If that baby's hungry, it's time, it's time for the baby to eat. This is why right after, watch, it happens every time. Right after a couple have a baby, the guy starts gaining weight and the wife starts losing weight. I'm telling you, here's why. Because you go out to dinner, everybody orders a meal, baby starts crying, husband eats his food, and he's like, baby, you ain't gonna eat your food? I hear, I'll eat it. I'm just, that's it. That's it. And you go through this journey. And so I, I just want you to know something, guys. Listen, there's a lot of babies in the church. A lot of spiritual babies who you've been born again. The question isn't whether you're a believer. The question isn't whether you're a child of God. That was established when you said yes to faith. However, you've not grown and you're still a baby. There are churches filled with spiritual babies because it's all about them. It's, how, it's what they want. It's when they want it. If they don't like what's being served, they spit it out. It's about how hot they are, how cold they are, how loud the music is. It's about what's going on in the church. It's all about them. I'm just telling you, it's time that babies grow up to the next level when we move on. And so he says this. He says, listen, you go from little babies to young men. Now, young men, they have some strength, right? They're starting to kind of come into their own, right? Every dad here, if you've got a young boy, like, you know when they start growing, because they start looking at you like, I think I can take him. <laughs> I'm telling you, you need to hit him right in the diaphragm and just take that, <laughs> boom, just take that out. But here's a beautiful thing. They grow, they're growing in wisdom. They're starting to grow in knowledge. They're starting to take some responsibility. The same thing is true spiritually, that as you grow, you grow spiritually, like you start to figure out some things about God. You start to learn some things about the Bible. Like you don't know it all, but you're starting to kind of navigate it. You start like young men, right? Young girls, they don't, want, they don't want responsibility, but they'll take a little bit of responsibility. The thing I love about young men and young women is, man, they're daring. Like they don't, they don't nobody can, you can't tell a young guy or young girl you can't do that. You tell them you can't do it, they're going to show you they can do it. And man, I love that because y'all just run headlong passionately into just doing great things for God. But here's the thing, listen, so young babies, it's all about them, they're selfish, no wisdom, no knowledge, no strength. Young men kind of take this next step, they got a lot of little wisdom, little knowledge, little strength. They'll take some responsibility. Our goal, our goal is to be spiritual fathers. Do you know what a father does? A father carries the weight and carries the responsibility of a house. Like, it's their job to provide. It's their job. Like, it's not about them. Listen, look at any good parent, and a good parent puts their needs second to the needs of the child. Like, and they make sure that they're working. They make sure there's food on the table. They make sure there's a roof over the head. They make sure. And I just want you to know, what the church of Jesus Christ needs is not more pastors who are just spiritual fathers, but everyday people like you and I who are willing to step up and say, I'll pull the load. I'll take responsibility. That you've grown enough. That you know who Jesus is. You've figured out your faith. And you're willing to love other people and pass down what God's done to you. God wants us to grow up. In fact, you see it over and over, like this language, it just keeps being used. So throughout the New Testament, it tells us, grow in love. Grow in your faith. Grow in good works. Grow in the wisdom and knowledge of God. The Apostle Paul probably says it the most plain. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says it's time that we stop being like children and we mature in the faith. It's like our whole journey, guys, again, our whole journey is like we should be moving forward. And if we're not growing, if we're not growing up, then something's wrong. Now, here's the difference. Here's a key difference between this comparison between physical children 
growing and maturing physically, and spiritual children like us growing and maturing spiritually. And the difference is this, is that you can grow physically on accident. But if you're going to grow spiritually, it has to be intentional. Right? You can be a lazy parent and your child will grow some physically on accident. Like you can give your kid McDonald's every day, right? You can never make them take any responsibility. They don't ever have to do anything. And a child physically is just going to naturally still grow some. Y'all track with me? But I'm just telling you, listen, if you are a lazy Christian, you will never grow into the child of God that he intends you to be. So healthy people grow, but spiritually healthy people grow intentionally. And so the same way it takes certain contributions in order for us to mature physically and grow physically, it takes some contributions for us to do that spiritually. I want to give you a couple of them real quick. Number one, if you're taking notes, spiritual food. Spiritual food. Now think about when you're a little kid. Almost every little kid, they want to grow up. No matter how young they are, like they want to get to that next level. Young kids, they want to be like their dad. I want to be like dad. I want to be like mom. What they're saying is like, I want to, I want to, like, I want to be strong. I want to be big. Like there's something in a child that they know, like they want to grow up. And I'm just telling you, there should be the same thing in us that we should want to grow up. We should stop wanting to come into the house, come into church, and expect the pastor to spoon feed us and us to leave and go home and never take responsibility. God wants you and I, again, to grow up. And so the same way a little child wants to keep growing, right? When you're eight years old, everybody wants to hit the double digits. People can't wait to be 10 years old. And then when you're 10, right? Come on, what's next? Everybody can't wait to be 13. Everybody wants to be a teenager. Then when you're 13, you can't wait to be 16 so you can drive. It's right around that time you start praying, Lord Jesus, don't come back yet. So I, don't come back till I get my driver's license. And then once you turn 16, you can't wait to be 18. You want to graduate high school, you want to go into college. And then when you're 18, you can't wait to be, do you know why you want to be 21? So you buy liquor, sinners. Y'all need to repent. That's the only reason you couldn't wait to be 21. You need Jesus, what you need. And then when you're 21, at least, at least for me, when I was 21, I couldn't wait to be 25 until I turned 25. And when I, this is the truth, when I turned 25, it has been the most depressing birthday of my whole life because all I could think was, I'm a quarter of a century old. Like that was the only thought in my head, I'm a quarter of a century old. And then once you hit 25, you don't wait, you don't want any more age. Now you keep thinking, man, I wish I was 18. I wish I was 16. The older you get, the younger you wish you were. Like right now, I wish I was just a baby could lay at home and Sean would just come and just feed me and take care of me. Like I wish I could take a nap whenever I want to. But think about this. Every one of us, like as you're a child, you, there's this passion and this desire to grow. God wants us to have the same passion that we have physically to physically mature. We need to have spiritually to spiritually mature. And in order for that to happen, you have to have spiritual food, right? There is this connection. We all make it. Our parents made it for us. We make it for our kids. If you don't have kids, you will eventually make this comparison. Like we tell our kids, like we, we, it's said different ways. When I was a kid growing up, my grandfather, we would go to eat at my grandparents' house and, you know, my grandma would inevitably make some stuff. A lot of it would, we would like, but some like lima beans. Any lima bean lovers in the house? You're crazy. <laughs> Spinach, uh, peas, pretty much anything green other than green jello when I was a kid was like out of bounds. But here's like, here's what my grandfather would say. Stephen, one of the few people in my life that call me Stephen, Stephen, you need to eat your lima beans because it'll put hair on your chest. 
Well, when you're eight years old, you want a patch. You know what I'm saying? You want some, you want some taco meat. So I'll eat some lima beans because here's what my grandfather was saying was you want to grow physically, you got to get the right nutrients. We do it with our children. Here's what we tell them. If you want to grow up big and strong, you got to drink your milk. If you want to grow up big and strong, you got to eat whatever. And so what we're doing instinctively, we're tying the necessity of nutrients to their physical maturity. God's word. Come on, guys, get this. The Bible does the same thing over and over and over, and it ties necessary spiritual nutrients to our intentional spiritual growth, spiritual food. In fact, here's what Peter says. Watch this. Everyone here read this. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Peter's saying the only way you can be fully spiritually mature is if you've got spiritual milk. Well, like what's the spiritual milk? The spiritual milk, Jesus tells us very clearly what it is. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says this, that like people, like we just can't live by bread alone. Bread is a generic word for food. Like you just can't live on Taco Bell. You, you just can't live on a steak. You just can't live on whatever your favorite food is. In order to really live in this life, watch this, you can't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In order for you and I to grow spiritually, we have to get into the Bible. We have to read the word. We have to open up God's word to us and read and take it in because it changes our life and it grows us up. Saying nobody clapping. You know why? Because y'all been told if you've been in church, you've heard read your Bible your whole life. And what you come to church for is for some pastor to confuse you and talk about Greek and Hebrew and ecclesiology and Christology and talk about the kenosis and talk about transubstantiation. Talk about all these. So you can walk out and say, like, my pastor was so good. He confused me today. I want to be the pastor that when you walk out of this room, you know exactly what it is that God requires of you and I so we can do it. Because if you're confused, you can say, I can't do it. What God wants for us is for us simply to read our Bibles, because when you do it, you grow spiritually. So let me just give you a couple things real quick, because if you're a new spiritual babe in Christ, you just got born again, or you've been in church for a long time, but you've never intentionally started growing. Let me just give you a couple things. First of all, if you're reading a Bible that's like your grandma gave you her old King James Bible, if you can read it, great, but you probably can't. So can I just encourage you, number one, go get a Bible you can read. Like, we don't talk with a lot of THs after everything we say. Oh, greatest was the churcheth todayeth. And now if we go to lunches to eateth. Like, we don't talk like that. And so, like, I know some of you are going to have a problem with this, and that's okay. You can write me a letter. I won't read it. But I just think that you should get a Bible that you can read. There are great biblical scholars who have intentionally taken the ancient documents of Old Testament Hebrew and so just so you know, the original Bible wasn't written in King James English. It was written in Hebrew, and it was written in Greek. So if you really like or saying, like, I've got to read the Word, then go learn Hebrew and Greek. If not, then learn it and read it in a dynamic translation that properly reflects how you and I talk today. The NIV, the NLT, New, Lang uh, New Living Translation is what we use here on Sunday mornings. I would encourage you to, number one, go get one you can read and read it. Number two, for all of you that are trying to read it, like, let me just tell you this, like, stop doing this. Like, I just need a word from the Lord. So people just open their Bible up like, ah, Lord, speak to me right here. Lord, should I date this person? And like this, I'm telling you, like, there's a smart way to read the Bible and there's a dumb way. 
And maybe you guys have heard this before, right? This guy, he sat down and he just needed a word from the Lord. And so he opened his Bible up and he flipped some pages and he just closed his eyes and pointed his finger on a text. And the Bible says, and Judas went and hung himself. He's like, hey, I don't know if that's a word from the Lord. So he closed his eyes, turned a couple pages and pointed his finger on the text. And it said this, uh, go and do likewise. And he's like, hey, Maybe God's speaking something to me. I don't know. So he closed his eyes, flipped some pages, hit another one and said, and, and go and do it speedily. So I'm just telling you that if that's your strategy for reading the Bible, it's probably not going to help you. Don't start in the Old Testament. If you've not started reading the Bible, I wouldn't start right in the beginning. Because like you hit Leviticus and blood's flying everywhere. Animals are sacrificed. And you're like, especially if you're a PETA fan, don't start in the Old Testament. Everybody gets saved and they want to start reading the book of Revelation. The only reason you should read the book of Revelation is like if you just don't want to sleep anymore. Because between what you think you've heard and what you think you know, all it will do is scare the bejesus out of you. So start in the book of Mark. Read a chapter a day. Start in the book of John. You cannot get enough Jesus. Watch Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Watch how Jesus treated people. Watch how Jesus interacted with people. You say, well, should I ever go anywhere else? You will eventually. Like, I didn't just start feeding my child steak. I fed my child a bottle. When they were ready for solid food, we moved them to solid food at the appropriate time. Just read what you can digest. But you have to have spiritual food in order for you to grow spiritually. Let me just say one more thing. Another place that you can get spiritual food is right here in church. Come on, somebody, because I'm the chef. I'm the dude with the food. But the problem is, and this, this is a good thing, like, like coming to church ought to be like going to grandma's house for Thanksgiving. Like y'all should leave like, man, wasn't that a good meal? Like, man, like y'all should leave just, you don't make me feel good, like unbuckle when you leave. That's like, like that's the greatest comp, like, man, that was, oh man, I'm full. Because when you have like a special meal, like you pile up and you get two and three plates. The problem is most of you If you did the same thing that you do, like, spiritually, that you did physically, like, you'd be in trouble. If the only meal you ever ate was grandma's meal once a year, you'd be dead. And most of you, you only eat when you come to church. And you got to learn to eat on your own. you got to eat other meals than what you do on Sunday morning. When I was, uh, when when I left home and, you know, went out into the world, went off to college, you know, one of my mom's biggest fears, and she would say this, she's like, what are you going to eat? Like, my mom's biggest concern was, like, I would not eat. And, I, like, I obviously figured it out. Like, <laughs> but it's because my mom was a cook, and she provided for me, and she cooked all my meals. And going out on my own, she wanted to know, like, how are you going to provide for yourself? I just want you to know this, that if you are going to grow spiritually, you have to do it intentionally, which means you need to take responsibility for reading the Bible, for coming to church. And as you do that, you are absolutely going to grow. Number two thing that you need in order to grow spiritually, to mature in your walk with God. Number two, you need spiritual exercise. We're in a time right now that the um, American Medical Association is concerned greatly with this generation. Uh, kids are so kind of bogged down with hand devices and Xbox Ones and PS4s and all this stuff that they're not really getting the exercise that they need. You might say, well, I mean, isn't that okay? No, because in order for us to mature and to be physically strong, you've got to exercise. And here's, the, here's a newsflash. That's for the rest of your life. You should exercise your whole life. Now, I'm just telling you, I know it doesn't look like it, but I exercise regularly. I hate it. There's some things in this world that I hate. Um, how many people here like going camping? 
I, what's wrong with you? People take vacations to go live in the woods. You know, way back in the day, the goal was to get out of the woods and into a house. I don't know why you'd want to go cook over an open fire and sleep in a tent and bugs eat you when you've got a house, you've got a refrigerator, got indoor plumbing. It's wonderful. Y'all should try it. Uh, I don't like hunting. I like shooting. I don't like hunting. I'd rather just go to food land and go right back to the meat department. I'm eating a steak when you suckers are still in the tree. But I hate, I'm telling you, I hate working out. Like it takes sometimes every, I have driven to the gym. This just tells you, like I've driven to the gym and I've sat there and I've had to have pep talks to actually go in and I've lost. Like I'm like, I'm not going today. And I drove home. It's true. Like I'm just, I'm just done. And so, but like I go and when I'm in there, it takes every, like to keep working, just keep going. Like I got a countdown because I need to know how much longer do I have to endure this suffering like eight minutes, I'm like, I hate this. Like looking at people next to me, like, I hate you too. Like this is awful. <laughs> but I do it, I do it because in order to like be strong, your bones be strong, to have like some physical muscle, you have to keep working out. And in order for you to grow spiritually, which God wants you to do, God calls us to do, stop being babies. Start being spiritual fathers. Stop taking and start contributing. You can only get there. Making sure you have spiritual exercise. Here's what the Bible says. Check this out. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when Paul says work out your own salvation, he's not trying to say, hey, go figure out salvation on your own. That's not what he means when he says work out. What he's saying is you have salvation. You have the gift of God's grace. Now take it and work it out. Like, use what you have. Work your muscles. Don't allow them to atrophy. So let me just give you a couple things you need to work out. Jesus gave us three right out of the gate in, in Matthew chapter 6. He said this to his disciples. He said, number one, he didn't say if, he said when. He said, when you pray. Everybody shout prayer. prayer. One of the best things you can do to work your spiritual muscles is to pray. Because when you pray, you've got to believe that God's there. You've got to believe not only God is there, you've got to believe, number two, that God can hear you. Not only do you have to believe that God can hear you, you have to believe that God can respond to the need you're bringing to him. That takes faith. It's a great way, man, for you to spend time with God. He didn't just say when you pray. He also said when you fast. Everybody say fast. That means intentionally not eating a meal, not eating for a period of time, in order to take that time and just go after God. It takes spiritual strength to say no to your flesh in that desire to eat and say, instead, I'm going to take some time and focus on God. But Jesus said, hey, when you fast, I expect you to fast. It's part of your spiritual discipline, part of you growing up. Like, let's be honest, most people don't like to go to work, but it's a discipline. It's about being mature. It's about taking responsibility. But he said this, this is my favorite, and it's yours too. Y'all just don't know it yet. He said, when you give, everybody shout give. Woo, he didn't say if you give, he said when you give. I know there's a lot of people that sit in a lot of churches, and this is their mentality. Well, Pastor Steve, I just, believe, I just believe you can come to church and you just don't have to give. The problem with that philosophy is the Bible. Because you cannot read the Bible and escape from the reality that God has taught us very clearly that he is the owner of everything that exists in the universe. We are only managers, and he has given us very clear instructions of how we're to manage what he's given us. And it starts with the first 10%. The first 10%. Everybody say that the first 10% belongs to him. That God's called us to be tithers, not tippers. And so we got to learn how to tithe. Now, when Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 6, he says this. He says, he says and you, you can't serve two masters. 
You, you can't have two controllers in your life. And he makes this very clear. He says, it's either God or money is the God of your life. Now, we're in football. Anybody fired up for some football? We are two weeks away. How many, how many Auburn fans we have? War Eagle? Y'all are brave. First service, people were like, because you never know when an Alabama fan will jack you for not being an Alabama fan. How many Alabama fans we got? Roll Tide. How many Ohio State fans we got in the house? That's all right. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen, I got some love first service. Just so you know, I'm converting you all to Jesus and Ohio State. But listen, this is true, right? Now, I know there's some people and they're peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacekeepers. You're right, whatever. Like, right? There's people like, I like Auburn and Alabama. No, you don't. You're not, a, you're not a football fan. You either love Alabama or you love Auburn. You can't love both. Listen, either you love your money or you love Jesus, but he said you can't. I got you there. See, I, zzz, I threw it out when you took the bait. I zip. Y'all caught that, didn't I? You can't love both. In fact, Jesus went on and said this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. He said, hey, sh- show, me, show me how you spend your money. Show me what you buy. Show me how you invest, and I'll show you what you're passionate about in this life. And the reason that's important is because it's, it's not like he's trying to condemn us. He's trying to say, hey, if you want your heart more towards me, then direct more of your resources towards me, and your heart will naturally follow. So there's a lot of reasons we should be givers and tithers. You should be a giver and tither to this church because, like, if you like showing up and having a roof over your head and lights and you like your kids taking care of in a nice facility, then I just want you, it takes money to do that. Now, if we just want to show up and hang out in a parking lot, like, we can do that. That's free. But just there's a practical reason to give because it finances everything you see, everything you experience. If you want to be like Jesus, then Jesus demonstrated complete generosity. He gave everything he had. So if our goal is to be like Jesus, we should be givers just because we mimic Christ. But I'm just telling you the number one reason we should give is because it works out. It works. Come on, everybody say it. It works out our muscles. And working out is part of that growing process. Now, some of you, like, you don't give, and the thought of going to a tithe is crazy. That's like you sitting down and slapping two plates on a bar. you like, I can never do. Then start somewhere. But start like start working out the faith. Like, I can trust God. Like, you got to get that gym scream on. I can trust God. I can do that, right? Like, you got to do And some of you have been tithers for a long time, and you just do it. It's just easy. You write a check, it's easy. You know what it's time for you to do? Slap some more plates on. Go to the next level. Be more generous. Why would I do that? Because it helps you work out more. It helps you develop and grow more. Like, some of you got this thing going on. I say this first service. I, like, I know you. Like, I don't know. I, you think I don't know, but I know some people, like, they get an offering out, and they're like, I'm about to give. And they stick it in. Ain't nothing even in the envelope. That's like you going to the gym and, like, working out with no weight on the plate, like, no plates on the thing. Like, that doesn't help you. Like, you might trick everybody, but it hurt you. Work out. Be a person who prays. Be a person who fasts. Be a person who gives. Fourth one, just real quick, and I won't spend a lot of time here. Last week, we talked about serving. When you serve, that's a great way to get exercise because you're using those spiritual muscles for someone other than yourself. Here's what the Bible says. Watch this. God has given each of you, come on, read that. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Come on, shout it. Use them well to serve one another. So God says, I've given you gifts. If you want to grow up, if you want to mature spiritually and stop being babies 
In fact, no more even young men. But if you want to move to spiritual fathers, if you want to see what you can contribute to this world rather than what you can take from it, then you've got to make sure you're using your spiritual gifts. Number three, real quick. Number three thing that we need, same way physical children need this, spiritual children, in order to grow and mature, need this. We need spiritual checkups. One of the worst things that you have to do, I know this is true, one of the worst things that we have to do as parents, and like there's something ungodly about it, is when you take your child, especially young children, to the doctor to get their shots. Because number one, you've got to lie to them. I know we shouldn't lie, but you have to lie. Because if you tell them when they look at you with them big blue eyes, Daddy, am I going to get a shot? You lie. You say no. Because if you say yes, you're not getting them in the car. And if you do, they're going to cry the whole way there. So you got to say, no, baby, you're not getting a shot. <laughs> like you got everything crossed. You know, Jesus, forgive me, Lord. And then when you finally get them to the doctor, they go back and the doctor's poking them and prodding them and sticking a tongue depressor down their throat. And then comes the most horrible moment you will ever experience in your parenting life. You have to physically hold your child down so they can be abused by the doctor. Daddy, let me up. I can't, baby. This is good for you. But you know why we take our children to the doctor and endure that suffering and endure them crying and like, like Sean and I, we're sitting there watching our babies cry like we're crying. Do you know why we do it? Because going to the doctor and getting checkups is important. It's important. And the Bible says this about you and I getting spiritual checkups. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Come on, read this with me. Examine yourselves to see if, you're in the fa- see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. You don't need to go to a doctor. Do you know why? Because nobody knows you like you. You know if you read your Bible. You know if you pray. You know if you give. You know if you're serving or not. And what the Bible is saying is like every now and then you just need to stop and take your spiritual pulse and ask yourself this question, like how am I doing right now? Like, like, like I know I went to church last Sunday, but like really how am I doing? Like, am I further along now than I was a year ago? Am I, am I more mature now than I was a year ago? Like, am I serving? Am I involved? Like, how's my giving level? Like, have I, am, I, am I giving? Am I tithing? Am I moving up? Am I moving? Am I backsliding? Like, you need to check yourself out. And, and here, this is so important. God's not interested in your behavior. God's interested in your heart. It's the most important thing there is about you. So we got to, like, stop and say, God, where am I at? Paul said this, or not Paul, David said this. He said, God, search my heart. Like, God, I need you to look inside of me and show me the stuff that I refuse to let anybody else see. And maybe, like, I refuse to look at it myself. God, show me where I'm at. John, he said this. He said, said, if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like, which means when you see something in you that, like, shouldn't be there, it shouldn't be a part of your life, or you're not where you need to be, there's things you're not doing that you know God wants you to do. Like, you look at that and say, God, I blew it. God, forgive me. And I'm telling you, the greatest news ever is there is no sin you've ever committed that God will not forgive. Like, God's grace is greater than all of our sin. But sometimes, every now and then, we just need a spiritual checkup. We need to take our pulse and see how we're doing. Number four, and I won't spend much time here because we're going to be here next week, but you need spiritual interaction. Now, I know, I know there's a lot of kids that have been homeschooled, and this is my experience. Maybe this is not your experience, so don't feel like you need to defend your, your child to me. But my experience is that like homeschooled kids are either incredibly smart or dumber than boxes of rocks. 
I'm just telling you, like, that's, that's my experience. Like, they're either kids that, like, are way ahead of the curve. Like, they're doing fabulous. They're the kids getting all the scholarships. Like, they buckled down. They're nailing it. Or, they're like, they can barely write their name. I mean, like, there's just no gray. And, like, kids that are homeschooled often, I know not all of them, and maybe your kid's homeschooled. I have nothing against homeschooling if it's done well. But a lot of times kids that are homeschooled, they're not pushed. They're not pushed academically. And worst of all, they're not pushed socially. And they hang out and they wake up in their house with their parents and their maybe one or two brothers, their siblings, and like they just hang out there and they never go out and they never develop socially. Do you want to key parts to you physically growing is your social skills? You know, Jesus, in order for us to grow up, we have to develop socially. We got to interact. And that's part of how we grow up and mature. And you know, when you choose to not spend time with other believers, do you know you are violating hundreds of scriptures? Over and over, the Bible says that we are to encourage one another. That we're to gather with each other. That we're to bear one another's burdens. That we're to love each other. Like, we're to serve one another. Like, over and over, it's like one another, each other, together. Like, this language, like, like we're a group. We're, we're together. We're in this thing together. And when you choose to do life alone, you show up and sit by yourself in church, go home and never connect with another believer, you cannot mature the way you need to. So it takes this spiritual interaction. We do that here at Faith Church through connect groups. Again, next week, this is where I'm going to be in connect. Next week, I hope you show up and you come. And when you leave, you're connected to 8 or 10, 12 12 people in a group that you can love, that you can encourage, and that you can help, and that you can get that from them too. Because we need that. And so as I get ready to wrap this up today, let me just ask you a question. How are you doing in your maturity? Healthy people grow. If you're not growing, you're not healthy. But you can be. But you have to be intentional because spiritually healthy people grow intentionally. So the way we do it here at Faith Church, because people come in and we have new people visit the church, and like a lot of times here's the question, hey, like what's, what's the discipleship process at Faith Church? Hey, pastor, like where are the discipleship classes? I just want you to know, classes are a very Western way to think that was never intended by Scripture. Discipleship and maturity, it's not a goal or a destination. It's a process. It's a lifelong journey. Like, you don't go to the four-week discipleship class and then you're done. Here's the way we express discipleship here at Faith Church. I believe this with all of my heart. If every single one of you in this room, every person watching online, if you'll attend one service regularly, If you'll serve in one ministry consistently and you'll connect with one group of people intentionally, you can't help but to grow. That's the process here at Faith Church. Ten service, serve in a ministry, connect in a small group. And if you'll do that and keep feeding yourself, like you're going to grow. It is absolutely inevitable. And so if you're not taking some of these steps, I just want to challenge you as we close in prayer to say, God, what, what do I need to do? Maybe you're not feeding yourself the way you need to. You're not getting the spiritual nutrition that you need. Maybe, maybe like you're struggling with some spiritual exercise you're not giving. You need to jump in. You're not serving. You can do that. Maybe you're kind of trying to live life alone. You need that interaction. But as I pray, I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit would just real quick put his finger on the pulse of our spiritual journey and just help us see where we're at. Because maybe you've been in church a long time and you feel like you're there. I just want you to know you're not. I'm not, and you're not. So we pray with me, Father. We come in the name of Jesus. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful 
that God, we're, we're, fully, we're fully believers. We're fully children of God without doing anything. So Lord, we celebrate that reality. But God, you want us to grow up. God, we're, we're spiritual babies when we're born again. And God, it's, it's time to move from children to young men and from being young men and young women, God, to being fathers and mothers, God, to taking responsibility, to being spiritually strong. And so, Lord, I pray, God, you would speak to every single heart. Holy Spirit, you would show us, God, where we are. Father, where we need to grow. And Father, what steps we need to take. Lord, we surrender our lives to you and pray that you will help us in our journey. Listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just tell you this. You know, when you were physically born, you had nothing to do with you. You had no say if you were physically born. You didn't have any say when you were born. You didn't have any say of where you were born, to whom you were born. But you know when you're, when you're born again, when you're spiritually born, that's absolutely up to your choice, 